Well, good morning, Frontline family. Welcome to church this morning. Welcome to everyone in the house and those watching online. We welcome you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. It's a privilege to preach the Word of God to you today. And church, let's prepare ourselves to be refreshed, renewed, revitalized, and transformed by God's Word. Church, in the times that we live in, the only certainty that applies to every situation and every attitude we ought to have in life is the certainty in God's Word. It's His living Word, it's His breathing Word, and it is His saving Word. And I don't know about you this morning, church, but I find it a privilege to learn more about our amazing God. Amen. Can I get an amen in the house? I've I've missed the amens. (laughs) Let's pray together. Lord, we come to you today and we gather together as your church and we commit ourselves to you in the name that is above every other name, the name of Jesus. We ask that through your word today there would be conviction and direction to realign our values and principles to what your perfect will instructs for our lives. We submit ourselves in obedience to you this morning, Lord, and we acknowledge that your ways and your thoughts are much higher than our ways and our thoughts. We surrender our our right to understand it all, Lord, and we put our lives into your capable hands. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. And everybody said, Amen, Amen. Well, it's so good to be with you all this morning, family. And in this time that we spent together today, we are going to focus on some very key verses in Acts chapter 5, key verses that speak to the character of obedience in our Christian lives. You would remember from part one of Acts chapter 5 that we saw how pretension and self-seeking became a conduit for the enemy to work through the lives of Ananias and Sapphira in an attempt to bring an attack on the growth, the stability and the unity of the church. This pretense was clearly identified by the Holy Spirit working through Peter. And God set such a strong example that day that great fear came upon all the church and all those that witnessed these things and heard these things. We also saw, church, how true faith in Jesus tightens our relationship to people and loosens our relationship to things. Acts chapter 5 is really a monumental chapter because it speaks to so many character traits that we should and shouldn't have if we are to live the true Christian life. We've all heard the saying that that says, God is more concerned about your character than your comforts, right? We've all heard that. Not something we all like to hear. And you know, I've wondered sometimes in my life, especially since I've been called into ministry, I wanted to myself and asked the Lord, Lord, did I not have any character to begin with? Because all it feels like I've been doing over the last couple of years is building character. I obviously had very little to start off with, so the Lord said, come now, my son, let's, let's speed this process up. Does anyone ever feel like that? And you see, church, as hard as it is to dig deep down into the depths of your soul and build godly character... As many times as you may want to throw in the towel and say, listen, I can't anymore. This Christian life is too hard. I want to say to you today, it is not for nothing. And there is purpose in what God is doing in your life and in mine. 
And that purpose is refined as God develops our character. And that's why today I really want us to focus on the character of obedience. If you have your notebook today, make, take some notes and write this down. We're going to be speaking about the character of obedience. Now let me start by asking this question. Why is it important for Christians to walk in obedience? I mean, why can't I just give my heart to Jesus? Why can't I be saved and then just cruise along for the rest of my life until Jesus comes? And I'm going to give you a couple of reasons why, church, but the first thing that I want to point out, and maybe something you don't know, or maybe something that you don't think about enough, is that when we are saved, we are given a mandate that not even the angels are given. Did you know that you are privileged to do something that the angels aren't privileged to do? That there is something that you are commanded to do that no angel has ever been commanded to do? In Acts chapter 5, when the apostles were continuing in, in signs and wonders, they were imprisoned for healing people and setting them free from demonic oppression. But just look at what the angel says to them from verse 19. It says, But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Isn't that amazing? So the apostles were in prison and an angel wonderfully and supernaturally came and took them out. He got them extradited from prison, but then he says to them, now I want you to go and stand and preach. And this is really an amazing thing because you would think that if an angel could get men out of prison, that the angel could go ahead and do the preaching. But there's some things that angels cannot do and some things that God will not allow the angels to do. Now, church, why is it that the angels can't preach the gospel of Jesus? Have you ever thought about that? Well, you see, when we preach the gospel of Jesus, when we are winning souls for Jesus, we are doing, what we are doing is we are sharing what Jesus has done for us. Jesus said that we should be his witnesses, and a witness is a person who's had an experience. And no angel has ever been saved. An angel can't witness to the grace of God because no angel has ever been born again. And I would say, thank God that we can do something that not even the angels can do. Amen? They can get people out of prison. They can war for us in the heavenlies, but they can't preach the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ. What a privilege. And so I want us to look now, if you will, at verse 29. They are commanded to go by the angel. They are forbidden to go by the religious leaders. But Peter and the other apostles answered and said, We ought to obey God rather than men. How many of you believe that? Just nod your head if you believe that we ought to obey God rather than men. So the angel says, go and share the words of this life. And then Peter says, we ought to obey God rather than men. And as a result of that, look at verse 32. And Peter said, we are his witnesses to these things. And so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. The angel says, go. Peter says, we ought to go. And then he says, we will go and witness. And God has given the Holy Spirit to confirm that witness. And I notice 
the last verse in this chapter. And daily in the temple and in every house, they did not cease teaching and preaching Jesus as the Christ. In public and in private, they didn't stop preaching and teaching Jesus. And church, why am I mentioning all of this? How is this related to a character of obedience? Well, church, because we are commanded to witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we don't do what we are commanded to do, we are operating in disobedience. When Peter says we are witnesses to these things, he didn't just mean the apostles. He was referring to the whole church. All of us are witnesses to these things. And you see, church, the point is, if we're not careful, we become Christians who act in partial obedience to what God has commanded of us. Because we may think, you know what, if we come to church faithfully, if we live good, clean lives, if we get involved in a particular ministry in the church, like being a teacher in children's church or, or singing the worship team, and give at least a tenth of our money to God's work, we really think that we are you know, pretty good Christians. And don't get me wrong, that's good if you want to honor God in those ways, and we should. That's our starting point. But church, unless you are vitally interested in this matter of bringing souls to Jesus Christ and sharing Jesus Christ with others, you are walking in disobedience. Partial obedience is not obedience in God's eyes. It is disobedience. And you may say, well, pastor, isn't that your job to win souls? Isn't that why you are employed by the church? I would say to you, you know what, you can hire someone to rake up your leaves in winter or in autumn when your, your garden is in a mess, but you cannot hire me or anybody else who wants souls on your behalf. And you know, church, if you come to church on a Sunday morning and you're just looking for the pastor to feed you, which you ought to, but if you're looking for someone or something to make you feel better or to help you live a better life, and you say, you know what, man, I really got something out of that message today. It was such a powerful message. It really fed me. It really stirred me to be a better dad or, or a better mom or a better business person. And from now on, I'll know how to live more victoriously. Listen, church, all of that is fine. All of that is good. And I pray and trust that I can do the kind of preaching that will inspire you. But church, if that is the bottom line for you and why you come to church, it's about as selfish as you can get. There's a lot more to this Christian life. There's a story about a woman who took a, a course in first aid. She went through the different levels and qualified at the highest category available. A few months later, the class met again, and they were now sharing stories of how the first aid course had, had helped other people. Actual stories. And she said, you know what, I'm so glad I took this, this course in first aid. And then she proceeded to tell her story. She said, out in front of my house one day, there was this horrific accident. An old man driving a car, lost consciousness, went up the pavement and, and hit a huge oak tree. The tree then fell over and, and demolished this car. Luckily, the man was thrown out before the tree demolished the car, but, but he was still very injured. He had a few broken bones. He was, he was uh, in a state of shock, and his blood was just rushing all over the street. She said it was horrific. 
She said it was probably the most gruesome thing that I've ever seen. But then she said, I was the first person on the scene. And I remembered my first aid course. She said, I remember that if I put my head between my knees, I wouldn't faint. I'm so glad I took this course in first aid. You see, that's the kind of Christianity that a lot of people have today. That's what they're looking for. They're living in a world that is broken, battered, bruised, bleeding and dying. And they're saying, give me something to help me live a little more victoriously. I don't want to faint as I experience the, the wickedness of this world. Church, there's a lot more to this Christian life. And that's why the character of obedience is so important. Because we are supposed to rescue the perishing and care for the dying. And you know, I wonder with the mindset of the church today, are we really doing that? You know, in the church today, there's, there's so much talk about spiritual gifts. There's so many teachings on spiritual gifts. You know, this is my gift and, and what is yours? And again, that is all good stuff, church, when we talk about our Christian journey. But let me ask you a question. Why do you think we have a spiritual gift? Those are not toys, they are tools. And the Holy Spirit is not given for your enjoyment only. He, he's given for your deployment. Now, in your own way and in your own sphere of influence, with your own giftedness and your own ability and your own opportunities, every one of us is called of God and ordained of God and will be equipped of God if he or she will witness to the gospel of Jesus Christ, if he will be obedient to do that. And that church, by the way, is not fanatical Christianity. That is ordinary garden variety Christianity to share the Lord Jesus Christ. And it all comes back to the, the character of obedience. Let's look again at our text for today from verse 27. And when they had brought them, they set them before the council. And the high priest asked them, saying, did we not strictly command you not to teach in this name? And look, you have filled Jerusalem with your doctrine and intend to bring this man's blood on us. But again, Peter and the other apostles answered and said, we ought to obey God rather than men. Church, if you've got your Bible with you, I want you to underline where it says, we ought to obey God rather than men. Then skip down to verse 32. And here's what else they said. And we are his witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Underline in your Bible where it says the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey him. Now church, when we look at these passages of scripture and we review the reasons for obedience, what you'll notice is that it says we ought to obey. We ought to obey. In other words, there's no contest. It is our duty. Men said to do one thing, God said to do something else. Are you going to choose the will of God or are you going to choose the will of men? Are you going to choose God's will or your own? Now I want to give you a supplementary verse to what we're speaking about today. Go to 1 Samuel chapter 15. God had told King Saul to do a particular thing and King Saul substituted his own will, his own ways and his own ideas for what God told him to do. 
And here the prophet of God rebukes the king. And here's what the prophet Samuel said. He said, does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as obeying the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Church, God says that he classifies your obedience higher than he classifies your sacrifice. And then look at what he says in verse 23. For rebellion is like the sin of divination. That's another word for witchcraft and arrogance like the evil of idolatry. So church, God says disobedience is like witchcraft. And that's quite a strong statement. Because if you're a disobedient Christian, if you're disobeying something that God told you to do, you are practicing a form of witchcraft. Because church, disobedience is like a clenched fist in the face of God. It is saying, God, not your will, but mine be done. You see, when King Saul started disobeying God, the Bible tells us that before long he was consorting with the witch. Disobedience is as witchcraft. God also says that disobedience is as idolatry. Can you put the background up a little bit for us, guys? How can it be idolatry, you may ask, church? Well, what is an idol? An idol is anything you love more, serve more, honor more, and fear more than God. That is an idol. And church, if God wants you to do something and you don't do it, it's because you are putting something else before God. And that church is idolatry. We ought to obey God rather than men. Or you could simply say, we ought to obey God full stop. And so church, this morning, if we are to take this command of God seriously, if we are to walk in obedience, what does God require of us and where do we start? Let's look at a couple of things together because you may be sitting there thinking, listen, I, I may be operating in, in disobedience in, in, in certain uh, areas of my life, but where do I start? Church, the requirements for obeying God, number one, your obedience must be informed. It must be informed obedience. Because how can you obey God if you don't know what it is that, that God wants you to do? These apostles had a command from God here in Acts chapter 5. Verse 17 says, Then the high priest rose up and all those who were with him, which is the sect of the Sadducees, and they were filled with indignation and laid their hands on the apostles and put them in the common prison. But now watch verse 19 again. But at night an angel of the Lord opened the prison doors and brought them out and said, Go, stand in the temple and speak to the people all the words of this life. Pretty simple, right? The reason they were doing what they were doing because they were told to do it. Church, if God informs us, if God informs us through His Word, if God, the Holy Spirit, prompts us, we need to do it. That is informed obedience. Number two, it must be immediate obedience. You see, they are telling these apostles, listen, we told you not to preach or teach in this name. They just told them not to do that, and immediately after they are released by the angel, they're doing it. 
it says early the next morning they were standing in the temple teaching that's immediate obedience you see they weren't waiting and saying you know what let's just think about it for a minute let's consider what these religious leaders are going to do to us you know let's think about the consequences or let's see what the weather's going to be like tomorrow morning they just go for it and let me tell you something church procrastination is a form of disobedience because when is the best time to do the will of God the best time to do the will of God is when you are aware that God wants it done because church understanding can wait but obedience cannot your understanding on a certain matter can wait but your obedience to what God has called you to do cannot wait Psalm 119 verse 60 says I will hasten and not delay to obey your commands when God puts a period at the end of a sentence don't you go and put a question mark God is looking for immediate obedience number three it must be inflexible obedience and what I mean by that church is no matter what your obedience costs you you cannot compromise these apostles knew that to obey God could mean sudden death just look at the religious leaders reaction in verse 33 as the apostles continue to preach it says when they heard this they were furious and plotted to kill them I mean this is not a small thing when these men are preaching they are preaching with a a death sentence hanging over their heads we must have inflexible obedience just because flexible obedience is not obedience at all you see there's no statute of limitations when it comes to obeying God you can't say I'm gonna obey God in this matter but when it comes to this matter well I'm not so sure right you can't you can't just say I'm going to be flexible in my obedience to God you either obey or you you disobey it reminds me of a story I heard a short while back about a father and a son who were living together in the household because the mother and the wife and the family had gone to be with the Lord after a tragic accident and one winter night the father and son were warming themselves by the fireplace the fire started burning out and the father said to his son who was already a grown man he said son would you put another piece of wood on the fire please go outside and get a log and, and put it on the fire the son said dad I'm busy with some very important work right now I can't do it dad you do it the dad said son listen I'm also busy I'm your father you're living here under my roof you're supposed to respect and obey me please son go get a piece of wood and put it on the fire the boy said listen dad I'm not I'm not a child anymore I'm not gonna do it he said all right now son this time I'm telling you to do it put another piece of wood on the fire and if you cannot obey me you cannot live under this roof oh is it he says is that the way it is well all right then I will not live under your roof goodbye and he walked out and he slammed the door he went out into the cold and left the father's house because he didn't want to put another piece of wood on the fire anyway a few months passed 
And the son began to think to himself, you know what? I'm a real fool. My father loves me. He would do absolutely anything for me. In fact, he has already done so much for me in my life. And he asked me to do a small thing. And in my pride and in my arrogance, I said no. And I turned my back on my own dear father. I have defied my father. I have been a fool. I wonder if my father would ever forgive me. So he plucked up the courage. He went back home. He knocked on the door. And when the father saw him, tears burst into the father's eyes. And he said, Dad, you know what? I was, I was such a fool. I was so full of arrogance and pride and selfishness and, and self-will. Dad, I'm sorry. I'm sorry for, for talking to you that way. Could you find it in your heart to forgive me and receive me back into your house? The dad reached out like any dad would. Hugged him, kissed his neck, embraced him and said, My son, my dear son, welcome home. I missed you. And then he said, Son, before you sit down, put another piece of wood on the fire. Church, there's no statute of limitations when it comes to obeying God. Because when the, the Bible says when Jesus comes again, he's taking vengeance in flaming fire on those who know not God and who obey not the gospel of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. The character of obedience is critically important. We've looked at a couple of requirements for obeying God, but as we begin to draw this message to a close, let's look at the rewards for obeying God. Look again at verse 32. And we are His witnesses to these things, and so also is the Holy Spirit whom God has given to those who obey Him. Church, let me say to you this morning, if you want spiritual power in your life, God is looking for those who obey Him. God is not going to give spiritual power to rebels. Why should God release the anointing power of the Holy Spirit on your life when you are walking in disobedience? God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. That's the first reward of, of obedience. You receive the Holy Spirit. I want to give you an illustration. One day a man, he pushes his car into an engine petrol station to be filled up. But this car is a mess. The bumper's falling off. There's a hole in the petrol tank. The tires are flat and the exhaust pipe is hanging on by a thread. And he just shoves it into this, this engine petrol station. A petrol attendant comes out and says, You know, sir, how can I help you? He looks at the petrol attendant and says, Well, isn't it obvious? Fill her up. And the petrol attendant says, What for? Why should I fill her up? Is this going to leak out anyway? And you see, you see, church, some Christians are crying out to be filled with the power of the Holy Spirit. And God says, What for? Why should I give the Holy Spirit to you? God gives the Holy Spirit to those who obey Him. If you don't have power in your life right now, there's a good chance that you are walking in disobedience. If you obey God, He will give you the Holy Spirit in power. That's the first reward. And the second reward, church, is that you will receive joy. Who could use a little more joy this morning? Look at verse 41 with me. The Bible says, So they departed from the presence of the council, rejoicing. 
rejoicing that they were counted worthy to suffer shame for his name. You see, the result of disobedience is that there is no spiritual power and there's no joy. But when you obey him, the spirit is received and joy is achieved. Church, the spirit is received and joy is achieved. And the last reward, the gospel is believed. Let me tell you, church, there are enough people in this room and those listening online to turn this community inside out, upside down, and right side up for Jesus. Come on. Can you imagine what we would do, what we could do, if we would all just obey? And you know, you may think that coming to church on a Sunday morning, that this is the service. I think we all think that to a degree, but all it really is, is a service station. The service is out there. You're just coming to get filled. You're coming to get some instruction. You're coming to get some encouragement. The service is out there. Church, God has called us to rescue the perishing and, and care for the dying and snatch them from sin and the grave and to tell them about Jesus, the one who is mighty to save. Now, we can't all do that in the same way. We can't all be preachers, but we can all be reachers. And church, somehow, some way, God wants this church to share Jesus Christ with this community. We cannot depend on somebody else. We cannot depend on the other churches in our community. We must say it is our responsibility, it is our duty, but it is also our joy and our privilege to do this. Can someone say amen? Let me close by asking you a question. Church, has God been speaking to you? Is God telling you to do something like share the gospel? Remember that procrastination is, is a sin. Is God telling you to give something financially to the church or to somebody else? If he is, do it. Is there somebody that you need to make right with? Somebody that you need to go up to and say that you're sorry? Is there some spiritual thing that you need to fulfill? Some of you ought to be baptized as a believer of Jesus Christ, and for whatever reason, you've put it off. Remember that disobedience is as witchcraft. Disobedience is as idolatry. A church, whatever it is today, if God tells you to put a log on the fire, listen to Him. Obey Him. Because the Spirit will be received, joy will be achieved, and the gospel will be believed. And don't forget that not even the angels are privileged to do what we've been called to do. Trust and obey, for there is no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. Can we give God all the glory for His word this morning, church?